This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. The NFL Draft is in the rearview mirror here at Saturday to Sunday. We will be still covering it wire to wire for the next two months, recapping every single division with eight mini podcasts, Dynasty Rookie Mock Drafts, bringing on guests from the industry, talking about their favorite draft classes, sleeper picks, undervalued picks, you know, setting the stage for how they view Dynasty rookie rankings and who they would be drafting in rookie drafts and guys that they're expecting an immediate impact in year one or a little bit more of a uh, weighted out approach. So here tonight, we're going to be recapping the NFC East. If you're following on Twitter, you'll see the screen. It'll have... The, the team I'm covering, the picks they made, and then my favorite pick, my value pick, my questionable pick or questionable move, and then a little bit of a recap of the entire team's draft. So let's get right into it. I'm going to start with the Dallas Cowboys. In the first round of pick 26, they drafted Michigan defensive tackle Mozzie Smith. In the second round at pick 58, they drafted Michigan tight end uh, Luke Shoemaker. In the third round at pick 90, they take the, they took Texas linebacker DeMarvey and Overshone. In the fourth round at pick 129, they took San Jose State edge of Alami Fihoko. In the fifth round at 169, they took North Carolina offensive tackle Asim Richards. In the sixth round, they took Southern Mississippi cornerback Eric Scott Jr., also in the sixth round, they took Kansas State running back Dutz Vaughn. And then rounding it out, round seven, they took South Carolina wide receiver Jalen Brooks. I think my favorite pick, I think, was Mozzie Smith. I, I think the argument could have been made there that maybe they should have went tight end. And that kind of leads into my questionable pick, which was Luke Shoemaker in the second round. I think he... With, I think that was a little early for Shoemaker. I thought he was more of a mid-third round type prospect. He's a little bit older prospect. Uh, really good blocker. His offensive game in terms of his pass catching, I would say, is about average to above average. I do think there's some more upside. But I do think my favorite pick in terms of Mozzie Smith, he's a guy who they needed help stopping the run. I think he's a guy that obviously we know he's been on Bruce Feldman's freak list, and that's a great Athletic tester, if he would have tested out, you know, pre, pre-draft, pre he would have been an elite athletic tester. We know that. We know he could stop the run well. And I think Dallas is investing in him, thinking that there's more there from the pass rush side, right? Kind of like how when the Giants drafted Dexter Lawrence, they thought he could become a good pass rusher. It took a couple years, and we finally saw it this year. Because in my opinion, while it's my favorite pick, because I think it's, it fills a big need and it'll open up things for other members of that defense, guys like Micah Parsons and other stuff, you know, with him clogging the middle there and stopping the run, I do question the Shoemaker pick. So I do think there's an argument to be made of would it have been better if they drafted Michael Mayer or Luke Musgrave, you know, or Sam Laporta at that pick in the first round. And then maybe they went and got a big run stuffing defensive tackle, you know, whether it was Yaka out of Baylor or, you know, somebody like Zach Pickens in the second round, would that a combination have been better? Michael Mayer or Luke Musgrave or, and Luke Musgrave were like Zach Pickens or is Mazze Smith and Luke Shoemaker, you know, a better duo? I think it can go either way. So I do like Mazze Smith, the player. I like betting on the athletic traits that he has and the talent that he has. So he was my favorite pick. 
I think the questionable pick is I like Shoemaker to play her. I thought maybe at pick 58, that was a little early for him. And I do think the case can be made of did, when you look at both of those together, would it have made more sense to, to, to go to tight end at pick 26? Defensive tackle at 58. I feel like the duo that you could have got might have intrigued me more than Mozzie Smith and Luke Schoonmaker. I do really like the DeMarvian Overshone pick. That's a pick that I think he's a guy who could be a long-term starter there. So I do like that pick as well. Uh, my value pick was Deuce Vaughn. I mean, take the, take the emotional component out of it where his dad's a scout for the Cowboys and his dad got to call him and tell him that they were, you know, they were going to draft him and he was going to come play for him. But just the player, Deuce Vaughn, anybody who's been a long-time listener here at Saturday Sunday knows I believe in this talent. I know he's an outlier. I know he's small. But this is a guy who just, his quickness, his footwork, his change of direction, his agility, I think he's going to find a role at the NFL level. I think he's going to be a guy that could be surprise people, really low, obviously, to the ground, but he runs with a, a toughness about him, low center of gravity. And I just think he's going to find ways to be effective at the next level. He's not going to carry a heavy workload, but I think you can get him some touches in space. I think you can, you can run him out of shotgun when you spread the offense out. I think he could be a return guy. And I really think you could use him in different ways in the passing game. I think he's going to make an impact on this team. So I love the, I love the Deuce Vaughn pick. I like some of the players they drafted. Like, like I said, like I like Mozzie. I like the Marion Overshore. And I even like Luke Shoemaker. I just wonder. As much as I like Mozzie, would they have been better off? I think they might have been better off taking Michael Mayer or Sam Laporter or Luke Musgrave, my personal favorite, at 26, and then taking a defensive tackle, whether it be round two, or taking a linebacker in round two, and then defensive tackle in round three. I think there was a couple ways they could have played it out. But, you know, the Cowboys filled some big needs. They they had a big need at tight end. They had to add someone else there. They needed a run-stuffing defensive tackle. They did that. You know, another speed linebacker in that division, I, I think, helps a lot as well. Let's keep this going. Next up is the New York Football Giants in round one. Uh, oh, and let me actually, no, let me go back. One more thing about the Cowboys I want to say. we You can't think about this draft class with the Cowboys and not understand that they used some day free draft capital to get Brandon Cooks and to get Stephon uh, Gilmore. So those are two players, two veterans that I think can make a real big impact in Dallas this year. And I think at times we lose sight of the fact that those picks count and those, you know, those players that they got need to at least be accounted for when talking about a draft class. Because yeah, you look at their day three guys that they did draft. Well, if they had a couple more day, a couple other day three picks turned into Brandon Cooks and Stefan Gilmore, two guys that I think could be really impactful for Dallas this year. Now let's take it over to the New York football giants. In round one, they did a small trade up. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, for Maryland cornerback Deontay Banks at pick 24. In the second round of pick 57, they drafted Minnesota center John Michael Schmitz. In the third round, they traded up again. The pick 73 took Tennessee wide receiver Jalen Hyatt. In the fifth round, they at pick 172, they drafted Oklahoma running back Eric Gray. In the sixth round of pick 209, they drafted Old Dominion cornerback Trey Hawkins III. In the seventh round, pick 243, they drafted Oregon defensive tackle Jordan Riley. In the seventh round, they also drafted at 254, Houston safety, uh, Javarius Owens. My, fi- my favorite picks, Deontay Banks and Eric Gray. I think the biggest, most glaring need on this football team 
heading into the draft was at that cornerback position. Right now, they had a undersized, probably better slot cornerback in Cordell Flott, potentially being a starting cornerback on the outside. And then it guaranteed Darnay Holmes was probably starting again inside the slot. Those were two really, really weak positions that were complete unknowns. Now, they get Deontay Banks, who most people did not expect to be there at pick 24. A guy who fits their scheme that they want to run and Wink Martindale wants to run. He's got size. He's got athleticism. He's got speed. He's got movement skills. The only thing that really he doesn't show a lot currently is is the ball production, right? The ball skills in terms of making plays, passes defended, interceptions. But he checks off every other box. Usually cornerbacks with that type of athletic profile and that size usually don't even last until pick 24. Uh, so I think it fills a huge need. I think it was somewhat of a value pick as well, but I think it fills a huge need. Steps right in. And then Eric Gray, anyone who knows uh, me here from Saturday to Sunday knows how much I like Eric Gray. Like He's the guy who I had hired in Zach Charbonnet in my running back ranks. I've liked him since his Tennessee days. To me, he's a three-down running back, quicker than fast, but really good footwork, makes people miss the short... Uh, the quickness and the change of direction and the agility and that short space ability to make people miss in like that phone booth. I think that's what makes him a really intriguing prospect and why I'm such a fan of Eric Gray. Cause I think you watch a guy like Eric Gray and he doesn't test out well. He tested out as like a 4.6, but his ability to make people miss in confined spaces, his ability to quickly diagnose his instincts, his natural run instincts, his vision, his patience. I think he has it all there. And I think that stuff impacts a guy being a really productive player at the next level. And I think Gray's got a real shot here. I think Saquon Barkley is going to end up staying and signing, you know, a three or four year deal that the Giants probably can get out of after two. But I think Eric Gray's got a shot here to, to be an impactful player as the backup to Saquon. If Saquon gets hurt, step in and be the starter and be a guy that if Saquon wants to leave, he could start. So I thought he was going to go in the fourth round. So I even think that's also a little bit of a value pick. So both my favorite picks, Banks and Gray, I also think they were both values. I thought Banks was going to be gone somewhere in the teens. I thought Gray was going to be gone in the fourth round to get him late five, to get Banks at a small trade up at 24. I think were not only value picks, but also my two favorite picks of the draft. Value picks, Jalen Hyatt and John Michael Schmitz. At times, they were all they were both mocked in uh, to the Giants or in first-round mocks. Recently, you kind of had the tea leaves were saying that they were going to go out of round one. So I didn't project them to go in round one. I thought both of them were going to be round two picks. I did not see a scenario where Jalen Hyatt was going to fall to the third round. I thought he'd be one of those guys first 10, 15 picks of round two, somewhere in that like 32 to 45 range. I expected him to come off the board. So it was surprising to see him not and fall to the third round. I think that was a tremendous value. And then John Michael Schmitz, while I always thought second round was an ideal spot for him, I didn't know if, I didn't think he was going to actually fall to pick 57. I thought maybe he would come off the board somewhere in that 45 to 50 range. 
and then he ended up falling to 57. So I think both of those were good values. I never, I never bought the round one hype for John Michael Schmitz, but I think 57, I also thought was further than I thought he was going to fall. So I thought that was good value. And then Jalen Hyatt, I thought should have been a late round one, early round two prospect for him to fall to the third round. I thought was tremendous value. I will say they're questionable moves or decisions. I'm not going to start nitpicking six and seventh round picks like Trey Hawkins, Jordan Riley, their developmental guys, you know, their, their traits based picks, Riley, the size and Hawkins, the, you know, the athleticism. So I'll say that I think if you're going to question anything the Giants did, it's hard to because they got good value. They got they got filled needs. But some people, I, I do think, can make the case that did they need to move up one spot for Deontay Banks? I know there's rumors that maybe KC was coming up, maybe other teams. Could they have sat tight and kept that fifth and seventh round pick? I applaud the move. I think the, the move, I like the aggressive nature and going to get your guy. They clearly had a differentiation in, in value in terms of Deontay Banks and Joey Porter Jr. But I, I do understand questioning that, that decision. I think it's a fair critique. I think it's a fair, you know, question that you could ask. Did, was it worth it to move up that one spot to lose that fifth round pick? And then I also think you can question, the, the move up in the third round. I, I applaud the move. I love that they went up and got Jalen Hyatt, but I think other people could look at the Giants roster and still say there's still things that got to be fixed. There's still some depth issues there. There's still some question marks at linebacker, at, at the edge rusher position after Ojolari and Thibodeau. So someone might say, well, you gave up that fourth round pick. That fourth round pick could have been something of, of substance to go up and get it. So I do think you can question the Giants trade-ups a little bit in terms of whether or not they were worth it. I personally Personally, applauded it and liked the aggressiveness, but I do think you could at least question those that moves. And similar to Dallas, let's not lose sight. This draft is being applauded by most. They also got uh, Darren Waller in this draft class, basically, because they traded their other third-round pick, which came from the Kadaris-Tony trade. But that third-round pick they had gotten in the Kadaris-Tony trade was used uh, to trade for Darren Waller. So you kind of got to sum that in there also uh, with this draft class as well. So overall, the Giants did a good job kind of marriaging needs to value to high impactful players. I think this draft could go a long way in, in really helping the Giants even improve upon last year's success. Next up, let's take it to the Philadelphia Eagles. While I would not want to talk about how good they did, it's inevitable that it, that I have to because in the first round they made they moved up one spot to pick number nine and they take Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter. Then sitting there at thirty, they take Georgia edge rusher Nolan Smith. Then in the third round, at pick sixty five, they took Alabama offensive tackle Tyler Steen. At pick sixty six in the third round, they then took Illinois safety Sidney Brown. In the fourth round, they traded future draft capital down the line for for the pick to get Georgia cornerback Kaylee Ringo. In the sixth round, they took Stanford quarterback Tanner McGee. And in the seventh round, they took Texas defensive tackle Moro Ajobo. Favorite picks for me, I mean, I can go a variety of ways here. I can look at this and go four different picks. Uh, I'll say favorite picks are Jalen Carter and Sidney Brown. Listen, I, I understand the concerns or risks with Jalen Carter, but when you're the Eagles team, the leadership that they have, the success that they have, the many, many former Georgia Bulldogs that they have, the ability to bust on a pick and it probably barely impact their success as a team makes Jalen Carter so worth it that he's a guy who is without a doubt one of the two true non-quarterback blue chip prospects in this draft class would be John Robinson. And they got Jalen Carter at pick number nine. I mean, we're talking about 
They arguably added the best player in the draft on a team that went to the Super Bowl last year and was in position there most of that Super Bowl to win the Super Bowl. And then they go out and get Jalen Carter. So even guys that they lost in free agency, they just they just reloaded and are even maybe more talented than the team that played in the Super Bowl. Sidney Brown, he was my safety one since well before uh, the draft happened, since combine, even pre-combine. I thought Sidney Brown was a guy, if he went early to mid-round two, I noticed some tackling issues he's got to clean up, but I love the player. So Jalen Carter, Sidney Brown were arguably my two favorite picks. But like I said, I could put four picks here. I just wanted to separate it to favorite picks and value picks. For the value picks, I put Nolan Smith and Kaylee Ringo. Nolan Smith at 30 is just ridiculous. I thought he was a top 15 player in this draft class. I would rather have him than uh, than, than Van Ness. I would have rather had him than a bunch of the offensive linemen, uh, the wide receivers, I mean, besides JSN. I think Nolan Smith's a, a difference maker, and now he gets to sit there, and they get to groom him to either play with Hassan Reddick or down the line take Hassan Reddick's role. Uh I did not ever see a scenario where he would be there at pick 30. And then Kaylee Ringo in the fourth round. Listen, there are some concerns about him, some change of direction stuff, some his fluidity. But we're talking about a guy who's got prototypical size. He's got elite speed for, for a cornerback that size. You know, he went to a big-time college program. He played against great competition. This is a guy that, okay, maybe he wasn't round one, but this is a guy who should have came off the board somewhere on round two, early to mid-round two, late round two at the latest. For him to fall to the fourth round, I mean, the value that that presents is is remarkable. So for me, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Kayla Ringo, they all could be deemed value picks. I had put Jalen Carter up in my favorite picks column, so I put Nolan Smith and Ringo down here for value. But all, all four of those picks, Carter, Smith, Ringo, the three Georgia Bulldogs, and Sidney Brown will add to the mix there. All four of those picks, I think, are, are really great picks, are, are great value picks. Uh, surprised they got any of them. And if I, if you made me say which one it was a little bit questionable, again, I, I don't like to go down to like the sixth and seventh round for questionable just because I, I think at that point every team is looking for something different. It's hard to really nitpick there. I'll say Tyler Steen at pick 65. I like the player. I think he's a versatile piece that could be, that's probably going to kick inside to be offensive guard. There might have been some other guys there I liked a little bit more at the offensive line position. So it's nitpicking that I, that I questioned that because I do like the versatility that he brings and I do think he could be a starting guard in this league. I just thought 65 there were some people, I know Bob McGinn who does a great job trying to predict the top 100 himself. He didn't have him going in his top 100. Uh, Lance Erline, you know, had him on that round three, round four border. And here, he was one of the first picks in the third round. So it might have been a slight slight reach for Tyler Steen. There might have been some other offensive linemen that, that people had ranked higher. So if I'm going to nitpick, that would be the one thing I could say a little bit questionable uh, decision. But I but I think it, he was a good pick as well. It, it's just trying to find something that maybe we have a little bit of question. Some people might question to Jalen Carter is it worth it for them to take the risk I already outlined why I think it is uh, but I could also understand somebody saying you know the concerns of him are legitimate they're real you know wouldn't it be better just to take someone who's a little bit safer uh, for how talented that is but I think that's why they took him because of how talented he is and the upside that he brings Let's round out the NFC East with the Washington Commanders. In the first round of pick 16, uh, they took Mississippi State cornerback Emmanuel Forbes. In the second round of pick 47, they took Illinois defensive back Quan Martin. In the third round of pick 97, they took Arkansas center Ricky Stromberg. 
In the fourth round, I pick 118. They took Utah offensive lineman, tackle guard, Brayden Daniels. In the fifth round, I pick 137. They took Clemson edge, KJ Henry. In the sixth round, they took Kentucky running back, Chris Rodriguez Jr. In the seventh round, they took Louisiana linebacker, Andre Jones. I would say my favorite picks in this draft are Quan Martin and Ricky Stromberg based on where they got them, the talent. And I think Ricky Stromberg is a future starting center in this league. Whether he went late round three or early round four, I do see him as a guy who could develop into a starting center. And then Quan Martin, Jartavius Quan Martin was one of my guys. He was one of my favorite players in this draft class. So I, I really like Quan Martin, his versatility. He can be a nickel corner. He can be a free safety. You can interchange him. You can do a lot of different things with him. I like the versatility, the athleticism, the ball instinct, the, the ball production, the instincts. I really like the pick of Quan Martin, one of my guys. And I, I will tie this right into my questionable pick, which is Emmanuel Forbes, because somebody might be saying, Paul really liked Emmanuel Forbes. He was on his My Guys uh, podcast as well. And I do. I, I, I love Emmanuel Forbes, the player. I think the ball production, I was I was screaming, this guy should be a first-round pick uh, when it was debatable whether or not he was until the day before the draft. Everyone kind of penciled him in there for Washington. But I love Emmanuel Forbes. If he was 180 pounds, he'd be the cornerback two in this draft class, which the funny thing is he ended up being the cornerback two. I kept saying, I think if he you know, was 180 pounds, he'd be the second cornerback coming off the board. Well, he ended up being the second cornerback coming off the board. And I think that's because they overlooked that that size. But that is something that can be questioned. So I, I deemed it the most questionable pick because he is a little bit of an outlier, right? 166 pounds. But I think... I had made the case if he was 180, he'd be the second quarterback off the board. He still was the second quarterback off the board. I'm just not sure at 166 if he should have went off the board ahead of a guy like Christian Gonzalez or Deontay Banks. I thought he was the fourth corner. I had him ahead of Joey Porter Jr., but I, I didn't I didn't think he should go over Christian Gonzalez and over Deontay Banks. So I think that's where you can question it a, l- a little bit, but I do like the player. I, I was saying don't look at the 166 and knock him too much for it. It's clear the commanders were not overly concerned about that. If they were willing to pick him at 16, they were willing to take him over Christian Gonzalez, over Deontay Banks. So I do applaud that they were willing to look at the player and evaluate him based on what they saw. We saw a guy who's not afraid to mix it up. We saw a guy with elite ball production and cover man skills. So I think you can question it, but I still like the pick as well. In terms of value pick, I went with KJ Henry. This was a guy, Danny Jeremiah, who we know is dialed in, does a great job scouting himself. He had him as a, I believe, top 75 player. He had him in his like 70 to 80 range. Don't remember the exact number, but you know, they got him in the fifth round at pick 137. I think he went a little bit under the radar in, at Clemson, but this is a guy who I think was a really good value pick, uh, in the fifth round, I do really like Braden Daniels. I think he's going to kick inside and be a starting guard. I think he could even maybe play some center. So I do like that. But the fourth round was kind of where he was expected to go. So so I, I, I didn't have a spot for it in my value pick. And I already had, had talked about Quan Martin and Stromberg. But I think Stromberg and Braden Daniels can both become starters on this Washington line. So I overall, I kind of like what they did. I, I know some people are overly critical of the Emmanuel Forbes pick. And I, I think it's a fair question. But I, but I like him. I, I think they got two 
two guys who are going to be long-term starters in their in their secondary in Martin and Forbes. I think they got potentially two guys who are going to be starters on their offensive line and the interior in Stromberg and, and Braden Daniels. And, and I think KJ Henry is an interesting value pick. Chris Rodriguez seems a little bit redundant to Brian Robinson from last year, but, you know, pretty good value for himself there in the sixth round at pick 193 as well. So all in all, I thought the Washington did a pretty solid job. If I was going to rank them, I would say Philadelphia had the best draft. Giants had the second best draft. Washington third best, and then Dallas would be fourth. So that would be just my personal preference in terms of ranking what I think of these draft classes. Uh, So it would be Philadelphia, New York, Washington, and Dallas. So there it is, guys. My NFC East recap of the 2023 NFL Draft. I'm going to hope to put out about eight of these going through each division, sharing my thoughts on the drafts collectively my favorite picks my value picks my questionable picks again if you're enjoying this content get over to the website ss football is the fastest and easiest way uh to get there it is not too late to still purchase the premium notebooks and get access to all of our content the rankings notebook it has all our rankings the draft projections notebook while the draft is coming gone. Uh, it still has thoughts on over 400 players in there, a snapshot of how they win and stuff like that. And then you also get the scouting notebook, which has almost 100 detailed player profiles as well. So on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday. <laughs>